On today's show, we discuss the trade deadline. We also discuss the Yankees dropping two of three from the Mariners, and more specifically, why they dropped two of three from the Mariners. Spoiler alert, pitching woes. Plus, remembering Vin Scully, and Abby was at the game the other night. She has some things to tell us, which is pretty exciting. So get ready, because a new Locked On Yankees starts now. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, Yankee fans. It's Stacey Gonsoulias, host of Locked On Yankees, along with my co-host, Abby Mastraco. Welcome to the show. As you know, Locked On Yankees is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can find us on every podcasting platform available. They create new ones seemingly every day. You can also catch us on YouTube, so please watch and subscribe there. And thank you for making us your first listen every day. We really appreciate it. Abby, it is hot as... The place down below that people think exists in New York. How are you doing today? It's not as hot as the subway? Yeah. Oh. There's one thing I don't miss from living in Manhattan is it's like the ninth circle of hell. I know. When you're on I had the subway. To, um, I had to transfer. I had a, a lunch today with some editors I work with at Bleacher Report. And I had to transfer at 14th Street and 8th Avenue. And like just that tunnel felt so suffocatingly hot yeah um i'm 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 doing okay i've there's been a lot of baseball this week uh yesterday i went to a staten island fairy hawks game because i wanted to see kelsey whitmore play oh yes the woman play baseball yeah. uh she had a rough day at the plate but like what i liked was she they pinch hit for her um late in the game and she was like very unhappy with that like she clearly was unhappy and I, you like to see that kind of like spunk that kind of like fire in, in, in a competitor sure um and i don't know what i was expecting it's like you know yes people get upset when they get pinch hit for all the time but i think sometimes like you know i'm so used to watching big league games where it's just not that it's it's almost to be like expected you know when a certain certain person comes up in the order and this time it was you know she was having a rough day at the plate they pinch hit for her and she very clearly showed her emotion and i was talking to one of the coaches afterwards um Nelson Figueroa, an ex-Met, and he was like, she's a hell of a competitor. She is a hell of a competitor. Uh, it was so, it was cool to see a woman play baseball. I really enjoyed that. And it was like, it was a nice day with a friend of mine, another hockey writer friend who took the ferry out and, um, you know, had a breakfast beer. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I used to live by that stadium. Didn't go when I lived there, but I have been there a couple times and I just, the like, I feel like it's hard to pay attention to the game sometimes, especially when it's really nice out or like the sun is setting or it's like, a, it's just like you see everything and it's just yeah. an amazing view. View is really spectacular. And there was, yes, it was a day game. So there was a lot of like summer camp kids and they did some like fun things with the kids to like keep them sort of, you know, entertained and interactive. And they had um, a pizza versus a bagel race. Nice. And when they, they had somebody who was staged to knock out the bagel so the pizza could win. And they, I still think this is funny. Uh, 
I don't know why I think this is funny. This is really corny. They said on the like announcement, they were like, oh, peep the wins again. The bagel got toasted. And I, for some reason, like lost it. Like I was, that's not even that funny of a joke. And I just like, I was laughing way too hard. <laughs> that's such a New York thing too, to have a piece of pizza racing a bagel. Like what else would you have other than maybe like a corned beef sandwich? But you know, yeah, pizza maybe and a bagel. Some, maybe some soup dumplings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Now, it's funny. Right. You, you mentioned the whole pinch hitting thing. And that's actually a good segue into my anger over Tuesday night's game. Because why on earth didn't Aaron Boone have Glaber Torres pinch hit sooner than he did in the bottom of the ninth inning? Why did we have to sit through Isaiah Kiner for Leffa? And who was it, Hicks? I... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I feel like the 2021 team is taking over this team again, and it's really just driving me crazy. Absolutely bonkers. I also, this is totally irrational, but I think it's funny. The curse of Jordan Montgomery is two games straight now. <laughs> well, look, the And you were there for that, right? You yeah, were there. Yeah, he was very sad. Yeah. He was, I mean... Was he was shocking. not afraid to sort of exp express his um, surprise and displeasure with the mo with the move. Um, he said, you know, the Yankees are the only organization he's ever known. These are his friends. These are like his family. And, um, you know, he really wanted to credit the trainer who he thought has taken very good care of him throughout the years with his injuries. And it, he didn't immediately know who he was traded for. Right. So to find out, I think it was actually a media member who informed him he was traded for um, Harrison Bader, and Harrison Bader was injured. Like, he didn't know that immediately, and, like, the look on his face was, like, he, he handled it well and said, um, try not to look at it that way. Like, all I can do is now, like, look ahead to St. Louis and um, try and play my best. And he said he didn't play his best baseball in New York, but it, it was funny when, it's not funny, but, you know, when they brought up the fact that he was traded for an injured player. He like, you could see the look on his face. He was like, yeah, <laughs> kind of that, was like, that was most of our faces. Jordan. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we yeah. all had the same look. <laughs> um, yeah, he, but he, you know, he handled it well. He handled it. He said the right things. Um, and the Yankees are going to be in St. Louis, what this weekend. So yeah, starting <laughs> tomorrow. Again. Uh, yeah. Cashman said that he, if Bader is an outfield option, for Aaron Boone to deploy around September. Um, he says he's an elite outfielder, an elite center fielder. He provides um, some defensive lanes when healthy. I talked to a scout who said he doesn't think Vader has an everyday bat. Right. Um, I that is, I don't think that's like, you know, there's been some talk about whether, there's been discussion about whether or not he has an everyday bat. Uh, I don't think that's like, you know, out of the realm to say, it's, I, I think there's probably, I saw another scouting report saying something similar, and that's sort of what I've been. That's what I've been hearing about him. Is he? He might not have an everyday bat, right. um, but Brian Cashman very much liked the elite center fielder part of the uh, you know defensive tools, and he thinks that it's going to. He thinks it's going to make the team better once he's healthy. I, I you know, I'm still. I still don't really understand that. Uh, you, you know, he can, 
give me all the rationales he wants at the end of the day. But I still, I don't know that I, and apparently it was not like a popular sentiment within the Yankees organization. Right. There were a lot of people who were very torn because Montgomery has been very useful. Uh, yeah, he's an innings eater. And the yeah. Yankees need that. And I don't, this is a move for October and we're in the beginning of August. And there's still a whole lot of time between the beginning of August and the start of October. And this move just, it seems so odd to me. And it's funny because I was on the live trade deadline show for Locked On and I looked at my phone and saw the initial tweet saying that Montgomery was traded. And you all know if you watch on YouTube how I don't have a poker face. And I had to be quiet because someone else was talking and I didn't want to interrupt them. But I literally was like, like just, I thought I was being punked and I had to make sure that it was a verified account because I was like, why on earth would they be trading Jordan Montgomery of all people? Yeah. Then when I saw who he was traded for, I just was like, I don't understand what's going on and I still don't. And as you said, Cashman can say all he wants about how this is going to help in October, but you gave away a lot of pitching. JP Sears is gone. <laughs> that guy was money every time he was in a game. He's not here anymore. Um, the pitching depth is not as strong as it was before the trade deadline. No. Sure, they picked up a couple of pitchers who were major league ready, but you know, well, you, tra you, know, you transfer Severino to the 60 day, who that's he, another whole thing. We'll talk about that in and segment he two. He wasn't happy about that. Severino is very upset to be on the 60 day right now. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Actually, you know what? We're going to go, we're going to hold that for a second because we have to do our our stuff that we need to do so we'll talk about this in segment two but first whether you're ready to pop the question and i don't think cashman is right now or celebrating a milestone moment find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at bluenile.com blue nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape size and clarity as well as setting style their bench jewelers will handcraft her perfect engagement ring and every ring is one of a kind blue nile is the original online jeweler since 1999 they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. So whether you're customizing an engagement ring or designing diamond stud earrings, Blue Nile will allow you to create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine at a price that you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Not perfect? No problem. There's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You can shop stress-free with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And if you need that special purchase fast, in most cases, Blue Nile can deliver overnight. Each order is insured and it arrives in packaging that won't give away what's inside. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on right now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Find your forever piece and go to BlueNile.com today. Thanks again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's continue this because there, there does seem to be some turmoil here now uh, with the Yankees. I get that the Luis Severino thing is really a roster move because yeah. there are too many people and he's coming back from an injury. But the fact that he's upset that he was put on the 60-day IL, and I think it was Brendan Cuddy tweeted yesterday that, you know, they even showed him on the calendar when he was coming back and that he was just, like, not happy at all. And I'm not liking this discord. I'm not liking it at all. It's not, it's not good vibes right now. In uh, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, Cashman has the, the say at the end of the day. 
but this is a very collaborative front office you know there's there's analysts that go into it there's agms like he's not the be all end all so you know they made the decision to as you said it was a roster move they needed to get montes and trevino on the roster and this is one way to do it um i i i don't know i i do think it's interesting that you know there wasn't the Montgomery move was not like a universally well-liked move and not, not every trade is going to be, but I did think it was interesting that there were some people in the front office who, uh, you know, weren't happy with that. And then talking about Severino, and then all of a sudden Cashman saying Severino is not happy. And it, it, it um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting, they are looking ahead. Like they, what was the term that he used? He said, he said that like they're in this for the long game and the long game being the end of October. Um, but you've got to win games now. Like, yeah, they've got a big lead in the division, but I think the Mariners are pretty good. Yeah. And they got better. They, they got Castillo. Um, I, I, you, you do have to acquire pieces with the, with the aim towards the postseason. Yeah. If you are going to be a buyer, that's what works. Um, but you do have to kind of balance the, the moves that you make with an eye towards October with what needs to happen now. Well, I feel like now, I'm sorry. I feel like the moves that they made before the Montgomery trade made it a successful trade deadline. Like all the moves they made were good and everyone was very excited about it and thought, cool. And then there was before, right before the Montgomery trade, I believe it was John Heyman saying that the Yankees were talking with the Marlins possibly about Pablo Lopez. And then all of a sudden this Jordan Montgomery thing happens. Now, if he were, if he were traded for another pitcher, it would have been fine. But the fact, as you said in the last segment, he was traded for an outfielder who's currently walking around in a boot. Plantifasciitis. <laughs> Plantifasciitis can be a, a lingering injury. Yeah. Yeah, and Sabathia dealt with it, I believe. A lot of basketball players deal with it. Yeah, um, Jay Bruce dealt with it a few years ago with the Mets, and he didn't come. He was he. I remember initially he was like, "Yeah, I've been dealing with it like all all the entire off season," and we were like, "Wait a minute, this is Andrew is not just like a seven day DL type of injury." No, it's not missing one or two games, yeah. and I believe he did miss much of the season. Or at least maybe not much of the season, but like a significant amount of time with plantar fasciitis. Yeah. So I remember there were a bunch of Yankees that had plant. Like, like I never even heard of it before until I can't remember who it was. Was it Tex? It was someone who had it. And I was like, what is that? And I had to look up to see what it was because I'd never heard of this injury before because I felt like other times there were foot injuries. They would just say it was a foot injury. Now we know all these different body parts that they never used to mention when guys were hurt before. Like, did you know that there's another, like, what's the one part that there are two of? And when you hear it on a guy, like anything cervical, it's kind of funny because you're like, sure, sure. Because we have cervixes, but it's totally different than a cervix. Fine, that yeah. It, yeah. yeah it's like, um, <laughs> the intercostal strains. Yes. Uh, I always like that one because I always, no matter what, I will accidentally write intercostal. Yes. Which is yes. a waterway. Right. It is not an oblique muscle in your side. And <laughs> I inevitably, like, I'm always on deadline and I will write 
intercoastal. Intercoastal. I catch yes. myself every time. I'm like, there's no, no, there's no A. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, I always type the rats instead of the rays. I don't know why. I don't do the jats instead of the jays. It's just my hands. I don't know. It's just, it's just what happens well, sometimes. When I um, covered the ducks, you had to be really careful because the F is next to the D on the keyboard. Do you know how many and, times I've almost written licked on Yankees? I mean, it happens. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is. Things are rolling along in, in the Bronx, but they are not rolling quite as like smoothly as they did earlier this season. The Yankees have to start beating some good teams. Yeah, it almost seems like my friend had joked about it and I was thinking about it last night. There were all these things when the Yankees got off to that really good start and before probably about a few weeks before the All-Star break, people were saying, well, if they go 500 the rest of the year, they're still going to win over 90 games. And it feels like the Yankees are trying to test that theory out. And it's like, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that. I, that's not fun. Um, now, talking about yesterday, let's talk about Cole for a second, because when you have a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, don't get beaten on your slider. Just don't. This is the same thing with Aroldis Chapman that they needed to drill out of his head. Throw your fastball. Stop throwing things that guys can hit. And Garrett Cole, let's break this down because I have an issue with yesterday also because of Kyle Higashioka. No offense to Kyle Higashioka, but I think the days of him being Cole's personal catcher need to go because on yesterday's game, they showed Garrett Cole has been caught by Trevino for 14 games. His ERA is 2.74, batting average against 193, OPS 582. In eight games with Higashioka behind the plate, his ERA is 5.40, batting average against is 255, and OPS 766. Your face. For everybody not watching on YouTube, Stacey has a very expressive face, and she's unable to contain her displeasure right now. I mean, I've had displeasure, displeasure about this for a while, but, and it's, although it's funny because Higashioka was one of the only guys who had hits in yesterday's game. So I can't bash that part of his game, but I think the days of Cole having his personal catcher should be over. Trevino is definitely better for him and um, just, yeah, yeah, the, that was just bad yesterday. And yes, the Mariners are good, but hey, the Yankees were able to score three off Castillo. And hey, if Cole didn't, you know, put them in a hole before they even came to bat, it could have been a different game. So. Well, I mean, he is Garrett Cole and he he does have a pretty nasty slider. So I, I'm not going to I'm not going to gripe with the pitch selection of a major league catcher because they do this. They're more, they're smarter than me. Although Cole did mention it though. Which also, also should like, you know. Yeah, but Cole did mention it in his post game. Like he was talking for a good 10 minutes. And the first thing he said was the pitch selection wasn't, you know, great. And what I was throwing wasn't great. And I was just like, no kidding, no kidding. But then he was fine after that. Like he had that one bad inning and he had the one bad inning against the Royals as well. When he gave up five runs on Friday night. But the Yankees were able to come back in that game. Plus, they had the it was a three nothing lead. Then they were down five three, and then they were able to pull ahead, and it was fine. The Mariners were a lot better than the Royals. This was a different. This is a different team, right? You know, the Royals just sold. The Royals just traded away all their best players, one of which came to the Yankees. Yeah, the Mariners are loading up for a playoff run. They believe that this is a playoff team. 
And it's not going to be easy to come back against a team like that. But one of the things that Brian Cashman did say on Tuesday was that even when they do lose, they're never quite, you don't get the feeling that they're out of those games. So that's what they sort of need to draw from this, um, not motivation, but the, they, I mean, they really aren't out of any game on Tuesday. I mean, Tuesday night was a good example of that as well, but do you want to be, I mean, you, you don't want to be in a position where you have to like, where you have to draw from that. Right. Right. They do need to, like they, they, they need to like use that motivation going forward, but maybe stop putting yourself in that position. Right. Because they have a tough, they have a tough stretch coming up. It, yes, the games are at home, but they're playing the Blue Jays. They're playing the Mets. It's 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 a long homestand, but it's against tough teams, and they need to. Uh, but that's not even until later in the month. I mean, they've got St. Louis this weekend. They've got they're at Seattle. Right. They go to Seattle again. Yeah. Or they see Seattle again. Yeah. And then they're they're. I mean, it's a three city trip. Then they go to Boston. That's not easy travel either. To I mean, granted, they do have an off day between Seattle and Boston, but that's not easy to make that coast to coast turnaround. Oh yeah. Cause that's um, more like a travel night into day kind of recovering yeah. from crossing the country. Cause if you guys have taken, I've done cross country trips and God, it takes me like two days to recover. <laughs> I don't understand how these guys do that sometimes because honestly, I'm not even an athlete. And the last time I did do a cross country trip, I was a lot younger than I am now. And it did take me a good two days to not feel like a zombie doing that going from LA to New York. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I do it very often. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, they play three games in Boston, one of which is a night game. And then they turn around the next day and they host the Rays. Yeah. So right. Rays, Jays, Rays, Mets, Jays. Is that the order? What's the order? Uh, Some... Rays, Jays, Mets. And then they get a little bit of a break with Oakland and Anaheim. Mm. But is it because I mean, Oakland swept the Astros. And Oakland's really bad, so you never know. It's a weird season. It really is. Like, you see these teams doing certain things, and you're like. <sighs> yeah. I mean, look, it's hard to go into Anaheim and contend with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And granted, Mike Trout's injured right now, and let's hope that he's back soon for the sake of baseball. But, yeah. like, it's difficult to go into Anaheim. And last year, the, Yankee, the Yankees struggled in that series, and they were it, that was after the trade deadline. Right. You know, the Angels had – and Mike Trout was – on the injured list. Like, right, he hadn't played since May. No. Right. And right. Otani didn't even pitch, which I was mad about because I went there to see Otani pitch. <laughs> Damn it, I went there specifically. So in a second. Well, I mean, I went there specifically to write a story about him. Right. But right. I, who What's doesn't want to see, who doesn't want to see awesome things happen? Well, that's what happened to me last year. I mean, the Angels came back and won that game, but Otani mm-hmm. got knocked out with two outs in the first yeah. inning. You know, and I was like, what is happening here? Like, I wanted to see him. He did end up, I believe he was hitting in the game, but it was not the same because yeah. I wanted to see him pitch. So in a second, we'll discuss more. And then we'll talk about Vin Scully. What a year. Roger, Roger Angel and Vin Scully in one year. That's just unfair to people who love baseball and like listening to people either talk about baseball or read people write about baseball. It's a rough year for us. But first... It's time for Built Bar. We have to talk about this because if you haven't tried the puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And I'm not kidding because their newest flavor is cookie dough chunk. I have had them. They are amazing. 
in our weekly meeting where we talk about what we need to do on the shows, we talked about the cookie dough puff for five minutes because all of us were like, this thing is amazing. It's, oh, it has real cookie dough chunks. It's covered in chocolate and it's just, it's amazing. They're only 160 calories. They have 15 grams of protein in them. So go to built.com, get a box for you and your family. It'll be perfect for everyone. Kids will like them, adults will like them. They're just so good. All their bars are made with collagen protein. Your body absorbs it more efficiently. It provides health benefits so you can eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, it's the cookie dough chunk puff. Not the regular bar, but the puff. So it's a marshmallow with cookie dough chocolate. It's so good. Use promo code LOCKED15. I'm not kidding. I was so upset when I ate my last one. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm out of the cookie dough puff. It's so good. Um, quickly... How was your experience at the game the other night? Yeah, that, I don't know. What, what do you mean, my experience? I was I came home from that game, and then I saw the Vince Gully news, and I couldn't even think of anything else. I spent the entire night watching Vince Gully clips on YouTube, and I called my dad, and I called my nana because my nana's a big, my nana's a huge Dodger fan. She lived in Brooklyn when she was a kid, and she has been a diehard Dodger fan ever since, and she just absolutely adored Vince Scully. And I did once get to tell him that I said, my, my Nana is your biggest fan. Mm -hmm. And he was like, tell your grandmother, thank you for supporting the Dodgers all these years. And I, I hope that I, I provided some good entertainment. I was like, Oh yeah, you have like, <laughs> and I never got a picture with him. I figured that I would like around his last season opening day. And he's, he's just, the most gracious human. He says hello to every single person. He gets to know, like, he asks you insightful questions about, like, your childhood and, you know, your interest outside of baseball. And he will take a picture with anybody that asks. And on opening day in 2016, his last opening day, he they honored him on the field. And there was a lot of people before the game taking photos with him on the field. And, you know, if you go into the booth, he'll He'll be, he's happy to take a picture with anybody. I just figured there was like so many people that day that I would ask later in the season. And I ended up covering more angels than um, Dodgers that year. So I never got that chance to, I never got to take a photo with him, but I do have some photos of him on the field waving like blurry photos from um, up in the press box, but he was just the kindest human. And he, he had this, he had such a presence that when he got off the elevator and walked into the press box, everyone turned around. Right. You knew you felt him in, you felt him come into the media room and he was always smiling and happy and happy to see everybody. He loved talking to people and getting to know their stories. And he, I really tried to like, sort of adopt some of the things that he he does, like treating everybody equally, not just, there are a lot of people in this industry that don't talk to anybody other than the stars. Right. And that's one way to go about your job, but I choose to talk to everybody. I treat everybody the same because I feel like I treat them with the same respect that I would um, appreciate in return. And I, I think I, I did sort of learn that from him. And there's been a couple of times on teams that I've covered that players have come to me and said, thank you for treating me like you treated 
you know, the ex star on the team. Like it, you made me feel like a human and you got to know me and it meant a lot to me that you, that you wanted to get to know me and get to know my story. And there's, I know that I, I feel like I probably learned a little bit of that from Vince Gully. And, and the other things that stand out to me is how many generations he connected. Like you bought into, think about it. Like we, most of us probably got into sports from our parents, right? But the, the players that our parents watched growing up aren't the same players that we watched, but Vin was a constant. You know, my grandmother watched him. My great grandmother probably watched, or, you know, listened to him. My dad, I did. Like, we all have this one connection. I wasn't, you know, I was little when my dad's, I, I wasn't even alive when my dad's favorite players were, were playing. And, but Vin was, he was, he was the favorite. He was everybody's favorite. He's the best that's ever done this job. Yeah. He, the way that he is able to weave narrative storytelling around pitches and play-by-play it makes the game more entertaining it gives it a broader appeal um it it makes it more fun and there are so like there's so many great play-by-play people that really like to just sort of like let the moment breathe and vin was the master at knowing when to do that but the way that he was able to like tell you know a story about madison bumgarner killing a Killing a snake um, in between in between pitches is just sort of it's remarkable that he could do it like that. And like his tone and cadence are so like pleasing. Right. And I it just nobody else really does that. It's difficult for a lot of people to do that. Right. And so often what you hear now is like there's just a lot of stats in, in between innings and it's not a lot of stories. And that's why I do appreciate uh, John and Susan, because you know, they do tell some stories. Right. And, yeah. and everyone does this job different and every broadcaster should have their own identity. Um, but you pick up things from people that you admire along the way or other broadcasters that you really like along the way. Every single baseball broadcaster that you talk to will say Vin Scully is somebody who's been one of their biggest influences. Right. And for good reason. And he also, I have to, I have to, I'm going to end on this part. The man never had a hair out of place. He <laughs> looked meticulous yeah. for every game. He treated every single game as if it was game seven of the World Series. He had, you know, these beautiful suits. They were like, usually like light color, the, the, the light blue jacket stands out to me. Um, they're like, he had some Dodgers, you know, blue and yellow, but in like lighter colors and just the, you know, the TV makeup never for some reason looked fake on him. Like when I do TV makeup, it looks awful on me. And I see so many other broadcasters who hate it as well, but he, he just always looked so polished and so put together. And the man always had a smile on his face and, you know, the world is a little bit bleaker of a place without him the art of storytelling it's not dying because there are people out there who can tell good stories but it's not the same it's just it's changing and that group of people are dying off and it's kind of sad because it's not going to be the same well it's just so different i've broadcasted baseball games not well but i have (laughs) um i used to broadcast the dirtbags in college i used to do play-by-play and 
it is so difficult sometimes to like, there's so much downtime. So you have to know when to, when you can get your story out there, but you've also still got to call balls and strikes. You've got to talk about the infield shift. You know, you've got to talk about what's going on in the trees out, out, out in the outfield that you, there's so much to keep track of that your, your dead time ends up like not being so dead. Right. And it, it like you've got to know when when action happens to like drop the story, but then also how to return to it. That's something that I do in my like, you know, as you I'm sure every one of the listeners has noticed, I do tend to like go off on tangents and then I like I'll bring it back and circle back to like my original point. Sometimes it takes quite a few points to get there. And I go I don't go from point A to point B right away. Sometimes I go from point A to point M and the way that he was able to he was able to like capture the spirit of 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 games of big moments and the way he was able to like weave his stories in so effortlessly but also it's it's difficult i don't know how he did that and there are a million different things that you have to talk about on a broadcast sometimes and yet vin made all those million things so enjoyable to listen to yeah it's a sad week. It's sad. He lived a nice long life, though, and, you know, touched so many people's lives, honestly, like from <laughs> just like millions of people that he affected. Because even people like me, like I didn't grow up really listening to him, but some bi- I did listen to some big moments of his because of the games that he covered. And yeah, like you all have... I think everyone has a Vin Scully experience, yeah. which is so cool to think about. But yeah, that's just, it's just sad. Um, so, business. Next show, preview of the St. Louis series, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And I need to talk about this. I have thoughts about the exit of Joey Gallo. Not the actual exit itself, but the reaction to the exit of Joey Gallo because of the article that came out the other day and certain things that people said that I need to get off my chest and we don't have enough time for it today because, ooh, it's going to be, it's going to be something. So look out for that tomorrow. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Abby and I would like to remind you that you can listen to the show on every podcasting platform available. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube. Click the bell notification so you know when our videos go up. And if you're looking for something else to listen to after us, why not listen to Locked On MLB? Make your second listen of the day the Locked On MLB podcast host, Paul Francis Sullivan, who is an MLB expert, brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team, including his Red Sox, and he'll give you the biggest stories from around the league. So follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate our podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your Yankee friends and family. We'd really appreciate it. So enjoy your Thursday. And we will talk to you tomorrow.